likes January? Who dislikes January? Who uh, are you're indifferent and you're like, it's a month and I just try to enjoy every month? Yeah, okay. So January is a month for new things, a, a time for new beginnings. It's the first, first month of a new year. I love this time of year because it's, uh, it's, it's needed. It's needed time for fresh starts. This is why, you know, the gyms fill up. People are like, ah, I haven't been on diet, but I can do it again. Not all of them last, but at least it gives you this, I can do it. It's a fresh start. It's an opportunity to refresh, renew, and catch a new lift in, in vision. And, and sure, spring, spring's not here yet. And winter's dragging, maybe even just getting started. I'll take the 50s, by the way. I know it's not going to stick around long term, but I will take it. It's beautiful. And uh, there are some days with gloomy gray skies, maybe a little bit today. But the new year presents us with an opportunity of a new starting line, a new start, a clean slate. What a time to make a decision to wholeheartedly love and serve Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want to preach on this topic, a new life in a new year. Let's pray. Jesus, Father, thank you for everything you've already done. Certainly, we could, we could walk out of the doors and just be refreshed already with what we felt in worship and praying with one another and in the word that we've heard in the deeper waters portion of the service from Brother Foster. God, thank you so much. But Lord, I believe you want to speak another thing here before we leave. I believe that you're going to deal with someone about repenting of their sins, being baptized in your name, and in the infilling of your spirit, God. Just speak through me today, God, and let us receive what it is that you want from us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, without putting aside the old, we cannot become the new. The last statement, that, that might be one of the most, that might be the most important thing I'm going to say this morning, so I'm going to repeat it. Without putting aside the old, we cannot become the new. But Foster talked on that too when he said about going into new things but still having your feet planted in the old ways. That won't work. If you're wanting a fresh new start, even if you're saying life is going pretty well, I don't really need to change anything. Well, even if you're saying, if that's you, but you're going, but I want to go deeper. I want to know more. I want to grow. Our feet have to move into a different dimension. And so when remodeling even a bathroom, the carpenter begins by tearing out the old. Anybody ever see anything like this in your house? Okay. Does anybody enjoy this? I mean, it's, it's not always enjoyable. This is not necessarily the enjoyable part. It's the finished product, but this is a necessary part. And you have to take out the old tub and the old cabinets and the old sink and the old linoleum. And the old comes out before the new goes in, at least if you want to do it right. Now, of course, you pay big money to get resurfacing. Oh, I can come in and I can resurface your cabinets. I can resurface your countertops. I can resurface that porcelain tub. But what happens is uh, we tried that a couple of times and it might work for a little bit and eventually that thing starts to chip and scratch and the old ugly countertops come through because you got to get rid of the old before you move into the new. And Jesus, he talked about how new wine should not be put into old bottles in Luke uh, chapter 5. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. He says, no one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For when, then the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. Anybody ever try that? How many of you ever touched up paint before and you say, oh man, I got a scratch and a lot? 
And you go, that doesn't match. Even like now, they left us extra carpet squares downstairs. Do you know what would happen right now if I went downstairs and popped up a carpet square that had been down there for three years and threw a new carpet square down? Every one of you would know exactly what carpet square was replaced. Why? Because they've been walked on, spilled on, food and milk and whatever. But he says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the new wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. The new wine, as it fermented, would break the old, dry, stiff leather flask or bottle. Instead, the husbandman would put new wine in new bottles that were flexible and, would not, and it would, would not ruin that, that wine and that skin. As, as we prepare ourselves, as we prepare our own vessels to receive the working of God's spirit. Because when you study the word, that wine often would, would point back to the spirit of the Lord. And, and as we prepare these vessels to receive the working of God's spirit in our lives this year, we do so with, the, with repentance, with water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. He makes us a new creature and he fills us with his spirit. Just as the wine would fill that bottle, he puts his spirit inside of us. And just as Jesus said, don't put new wine in old bottles. He doesn't fill our old lives with fresh new spirit. He doesn't say, I'm going to put my spirit in an old wineskin, meaning, hey, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep living what you're living, and my spirit will now just accompany in you or in that for you. He literally makes us new in the process. This is what scripture says, Ezekiel 36. He says, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. The Lord, hear me, the Lord wants to make you new this, this, this year. And it starts here this morning. If you will repent and if you will turn to him, he will put his spirit inside of you and he will make you new. It's a, it's a prophetic word there in Ezekiel. Hey, God's not going to put his, own, his, his spirit in an old vessel. He says, I'm going to make you a new vessel when my spirit comes in you. Look what Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 5.14. He says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. So we've all walked in an old life. If you're here today and you're looking around thinking, that person has it together, I'm probably not going to be like that person. Look, I, that person, I guarantee they don't struggle with what I struggle with. I want you to know that at some point, chances are someone in this room right now struggled with the exact same thing that you're struggling with right now. And he says, hey, but when, but when Christ comes in, he, we die to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. That'll preach right there. 
So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At this, po- at this church, we don't evaluate people from a human point of view when you come through the door. We know that every man, woman, and child, no matter where you've been or what you've done, no matter what sin you're struggling with, you can walk into this place, and we all know that when Jesus Christ fills you with his spirit, you can be made new. There is no story that we say, oh, we don't want that kind here. We don't want you to do, oh, you're not welcome on these pews. I don't care what you have done or what you are currently doing. This is a place for you. Why? Because when God steps into your life, he makes old things new things. He makes ugly things beautiful things. And so he says, we stopped evaluating people from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. That's a beautiful thing. You might walk in and say, who is this Jesus? What has he done? We used to evaluate him from a human point of view. But look what Paul says. He writes and says, how differently we know him now. Now, what do you mean? What what does that mean? That means after you've experienced salvation, after repentance, after water baptism in Jesus' name, after spirit infilling, how different we know him now. In verse 17, it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. King James Version says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. If you're here, it does not matter what you're struggling with, what you're going through. In the old way that you've been doing things, you can say, I'm going to find an altar before I leave. I'm going to repent of my sins. I'm going to be baptized in that beautiful name. I'm going to let him fill me with his spirit. And I'm going to walk out of here. And it's chapter one of a new life. It's chapter one of a new day. This church held its first service on the first Sunday of 1972. And here we are, first Sunday of 2019, 47 years later. Methods have changed, but the message still stays the exact same. Lives are still being changed, not only just like they were in 1972, but just like they were in uh, about 33 AD when they got together in an upper room and the Holy Spirit entered that room where they were sitting and they began to speak with tongues, every one of them, as the Spirit gave them the utterance. That happened in the first century. And that exact same thing is happening right here in 2019 in Liberty, Missouri. And rather than just talk about random stories, because sometimes I can say, God will change your life. God will change our lives. God's changed many lives. And y'all just go, "Uh uh-huh, yep, I get it. I've heard that. Because we say those things all the time. But instead of just talking about random stories and random people, I want to bring someone up here that you actually know, that actually has a real story, that actually is a testament of everything I'm preaching today. And and, and I could read a story from, from the Bible, but even that doesn't come alive like this story will come alive because this is someone who serves here and sits here and in 2018 he walked in and God gave him a new fresh start and so today I want to invite brother Andrew Cannon to this pulpit to just talk for a few minutes. Thank you, thank you. 
much of you guys don't know that I was not raised in church. Actually, I was born to two addicts. My mother chose to leave me, leave the, her family for drugs, and pretty much ban- vanished when I was two. On occasion, she would show her face maybe once a year. My dad just went into a lost depression. Loneliness took over where love should have been. Consuming drugs, consuming drugs and alcohol on a regular basis was the norm for my father. While I used and my mother stayed away, I learned what lonely was. As I grew up, my dad never changed. He actually got worse. Our house was filled with bitterness, hate, dark times, and drug, verbal, and sometimes physical abuse. While my dad worried about his addiction, I was learning my own. With no guidance, I just went my own way. By 14, I did my first overnighter in juvie. From there, weekends and overnights in jail were nothing. Meth, heroin, crack were no longer a scary thing to be around. This lifestyle was now mine. Drug sales was now my future. After flunking eighth and ninth grade, I got kicked out of school for getting drunk at a football game at school. One year later, I was facing seven to 15 years for possession. I played out and did a year, never really learned anything. Parole was rocky. I lived rehab to rehab, just scraping by. 21 years came of age. I drank all my regrets of my past. All my bitterness towards my father was washed with whatever whiskey was on sale. I began to suppress all emotion. I had no problems, no issues. I was in charge of my destiny. Nobody could knock me down. I was unstoppable. Most people couldn't even tell I had a problem. I just figured I had a job and a roof over my head. I'm good. Everyone else was the problem. Years went by living this way. Somehow I actually found someone to marry me with all this baggage. (laughs) I never showed my true colors in the beginning with her. She would have never stayed in the first place. After after years of her being my pincushion, she could not take it anymore. Verbal abuse and drunken blackouts were something she no longer wanted. Her hope of me ever changing was lost. Once I realized what happened, what I've done, I just got high and drunk again. I stayed up all night snorting lines of cocaine wondering what, just what I did, what I did. I knew deep down inside it was my fault, but using would always hide these emotions. Then as I sat there jacked out of my mind, I realized I wasn't going, if I wasn't going to help myself now, if I wasn't going to take a stand, this was the end. The next stop was the gutter, gutter. I've lost everything many a times before this but this time was different. I realized I couldn't do it anymore. So before starting up another bender, I figured I'd try AA again. I called around, found a place close. A guy, a guy who answered the phone at once said something amazing to me. He said, if you don't like it here, we'll be sure to reimburse all of your pain and heartbreak 100% free. And I was like, man, wow, that really hit me home. So I went that night. I attended every night while trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Sober, what was that? A, talked about a higher power, the big book, talked about finding God. No one there seemed to have that. The place always seemed lost. It seemed to be a revolving door of addicts that would just come and go. I mean, I'd fit in perfectly, but that's not what I wanted anymore. That was exactly what I wanted away from. So my last resort, I figured at this point I'd try anything. I I text my wife's best friend, Tessa. 
And I lost my spot. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I, did, I didn't have a shot. I figured she would ignore me, blame me for what happened between me and my wife, and not want to give me a chance of hope. I knew she went to church, so I was just hoping she'd have an idea for me, I guess. Have her answer was pretty slim, I was thinking, but no, she texted right back and said she, just, she knew just who I needed and knew the person who would help, me, help guide me in that direction. She asked if I wanted to have lunch with James. <laughs> so we did. I was still having withdrawals during the, our whole conversation. I thought my heart was going to pop out of my chest. We got through it. At the end, he invited me to a small group at his church to talk some more. After that, he invited me back to service the next day. Never, ever felt what I did the first service in my life. It was a high that I didn't induce. I came with an open mind and a wide open heart. I knew my will, my ways were no longer su sufficient. Jesus asked me to repent, so I did. I brought everything to that altar, altar and wept like a baby. asked me to be baptized, so I did. <laughs> when I got home that night, I felt every sin, every regret, every addiction get lifted from my body in some supernatural, majestic way that can absolutely only be explained by Jesus. And ever since I've had this peace, this joy, no drug, no alcohol, no human could give. I have been remade. No shame, no guilt. I have been redeemed. My eyes have been opened a whole other way. His way. Since I've won my wife back, my kids back, my life back, even managed to start a company. Thank you, Jesus. And I just wanted to end this with a uh, verse here, Jeremiah 29, 13. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Come on, somebody. Let's just give God glory. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. People like that and stories like that right there are why I love doing what I'm doing. And that's, that's Andrew's story, but my goodness, not to embarrass you, but Whitney, we're so thrilled you're sitting here on these pews worshiping too. It is a privilege to have you in this church. 2018, I said, I called Andrew and I said, hey, Andrew, man, here's what I'm thinking for the service. I said, how was your New Year's Eve? His first response was, a lot different than last year's New Year's Eve. I said, man, doesn't it feel good on New Year's? I called him on New Year's Day. I said, doesn't it feel good to be up on New Year's Day and not feeling too sick? Doesn't that, doesn't that, isn't that awesome? To be awake on New Year's Day morning 
knowing what you did last night, who you spent time with, and that your head's not telling you what you did last night. This is a man who just last New Year's Eve was out partying, living outside of Jesus Christ. This past year, in the past 12 months, we've seen Andrew repent of his sins, get baptized in Jesus' name, receive the Holy Ghost, step into ministry. He's got an ushering tag on this morning here at Refuge Church. He traveled with me and a couple other guys to go volunteer a week in a time to build a, a North American missions church, which that pastor just called me yesterday, Andrew, and they've been baptizing people left and right in that new building that you helped build. And he's sitting on a pew with his family. He attends almost every single Friday morning men's prayer. He's downstairs at 5.30 in the morning every single Friday. He didn't just get away from drugs, okay? Andrew did a total 180 and has gone full speed ahead the other direction. Yes. And he plays outfield next to me in the men's softball team, too, so... We don't have a testimony for that yet, though. We're, maybe next year. Our team stinks, but we're coming along. Hallelujah. Hey, we've been talking about it here a lot lately, about being faithful. And if that's one of the greatest compliments I can give Andrew, is he did not dabble. He did not, not everybody's conversion story is exactly the same. Some people, you just need a little bit more patience, and, you, and that's fine. God's going to be patient with all of us. But in Andrew's case, he was like, I am looking, I am done, and I'm going this direction. And since he made that decision, he is one of the most faithful men of God that I know. And that is probably one of the greatest compliments that I can give someone. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Tessa, for responding to the text. Thank you, James, for making a disciple. This is what the, this is the way the New Testament church works right here. But how does something like this happen? How do we get in, get in Christ and start a new life? Well, I'm so thankful that you asked that hypothetical question that I just pretended like you asked. Well, the Apostle Peter, he gave us some very clear instructions. If you're saying, I want that. I want to walk that way. I want that passion. I want that story. I want that drive. The, Peter preached a message, and he looked at him, and, and they said, what are we supposed to do, Peter? And what does Peter say? He very clearly tells them in, in verse 37 of Acts 2. Now, they heard this. They were pricked in their heart they said to Peter and the other apostles what are we supposed to do and Peter said unto them repent step one repent of your sins that is a change of mind it is going a different direction he says and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins that's something that will slide these doors open today and there's warm clean water and you can do that here before you leave what an amazing time to be baptized to say hey I'll never forget the first Sunday in January of 2000 
2019 when I decided that I had been sitting in a church or it was my first time in a church or whatever it is, and I made a decision that I did not care anymore what people thought about me, but I decided I was going to go in that water and I was going to have my sins washed away and I was going to start something new that is way better than starting a a new diet or a new exercise regimen. No, I'm, I'm starting something new. I'm walking with Jesus in a way I've never walked with him before. And he says, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Apostle Paul later writes to the Galatian church, a church that was concerned about whether or not they were supposed to follow the law of Moses or not, and whether or not they had the same promises as Abraham's seed. And Paul writes to them, and he says in Galatians 3.27, he says, as many of you have been baptized into Christ. Say this with me. Say, been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Paul says, if you've been baptized into Christ, you've put on Christ. In two verses later, 29, he says, and if you be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. He puts it to rest saying, hey, listen, just because you ain't a Jew, it does not matter anymore. When Jesus died on that cross, he opened it up to every man, woman, and child who has ever lived that we can have the same promises that Abraham had. And we do it when we are baptized into Christ. To a different church, a church in Rome, Paul essentially writes almost the exact same thing. He says in Romans 6, 3, he says, know ye not that so many of us were baptized, what, there it is again, into Jesus Christ. What is he talking about being into Jesus Christ? Every time you read this, there's an association with being baptized into Jesus Christ, and we were baptized into his death. Verse 4, therefore, or because of that, we, that's us, the church, are buried with him by baptism into death. When you go down in this water, the old way of life needs to die. That's what repentance is. You die out to yourself. Then you step in this water, and I'm buried with him. The death takes place at the altar. The burial takes place in the water. I'm going to bury. You, 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 don't, you don't bury somebody alive, right? You bury them. If you bury somebody alive, you're going to jail, okay? But when you bury a dead person, it's called a funeral, all right? We need to have a funeral this morning for some old ways of life, for some, some things that need to die this morning. And he says, you're buried with him in baptism, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. It's January. We can remember this more than just a new month and a new year. You can have a new way of walking in your life. When you go to an altar and repent, you go in the water and you get baptized into Christ. Paul stresses being into Christ. That's an invitation to change in relationship. When a believer repents and responds in water baptism, the name of Jesus is called over that person. And verse 4 associates the person's sins going down into a watery grave. That means when your face, most likely your nose, mine sticks out further than most, but when your nose touches the top of that water, what happens? You are a new creature. Behold, the old things have passed away. All things have become new. And the beautiful thing is that doesn't just put that person 
excuse me, as a member of our church, or you're on the attendance log now, it's way more than that. Paul says that because of that response, when you have repented, you've been baptized in Jesus' name, when you allow him to put his spirit inside of you, there is now newness of life. You have a fresh, clean slate, just like one of those chalkboards and they're written all over and somebody gets out a pail of water and begins to wipe that thing clean and you got a fresh clean slate that's what's going to happen to someone that gets baptized in Jesus name this morning either a person has been baptized into Christ or that person is still outside of Christ I can't preach it any more black and white than that there's not really gray when it comes to this when you read in scripture he kept saying if you've been baptized into Christ baptized into Christ baptized into Christ either we have been baptized into Christ or we're outside of Christ We're either in or we're out. And once you have been baptized into Christ, you don't have to carry the guilt and the condemnation. When you've repented of your sins and you've been baptized, you don't have to say, but yesterday, but you don't know my story, but I've come from this background. Andrew gets up here and he doesn't have to be afraid or ashamed to say, yeah, man, I got arrested. I did drugs. I was high. I used to be an alcoholic. I'm not afraid to tell someone that because that's not the way I live my life anymore. That's something that I used to do. That was an old way of life. But you know why he gets it? You know why he shares that today? Because there's some people who are here right now or who are watching online right now that you're feeling hopeless. You're feeling like, you know what? I'm stuck in the grip of alcohol and opioids and in all of these addictive drugs and substances. And you're saying, I can't change. I can't be different. And you got to hear that story today from someone who has walked that way and who had, God has delivered. In just one year, he's gone from an alcoholic, drug addict, someone looking at prison. In one year, he's serving as an usher, coming to morning's prayer. He's, he, that, that's the kind of story that God can write. Why? Because you don't need that condemnation. Romans 8, 1 says, there's therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. How do you get in Christ Jesus? Be baptized into Christ. So if you have repented of your sins and been baptized into Christ, therefore, or because of that, there is no condemnation. There, You don't have to carry that guilt anymore. It's been washed away. Who walked not after the flesh, but after the spirit. If you don't want condemnation in your life, then get in Jesus Christ. Well, how do I do that? Get baptized into Jesus Christ. What a beautiful invitation that we have this morning in the new year. Ephesians 1, 7 says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Grace is unmerited favor. Leave that up there, please. Because I cannot say, hey guys, oh man, Andrew's ushering because he has merit. Let me tell you about his resume. I can't say, oh, I pastor the church because, you know, once I got serious about God, I have been perfect ever since. You don't, you just ask my wife and she will tell you that is not the case. No. I don't stand here. I don't minister. You don't worship. We don't come into the presence of God. You don't serve in ministry because of your merit or your ability. I say, in whom we have redemption. He has redeemed us through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. 
He's a rich God, not just rich in finances and resources. He's rich in mercy and in grace. Grace is, 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 not get, is, or is getting what I don't deserve. Think about that. Grace is getting what I don't deserve. Mercy is getting, is not getting what I do deserve. Think about that. Mercy is not getting what I do deserve. I'm supposed to die. There's supposed to be no hope. But his mercy says, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you something. I'm not going to give you something you deserve. That's grace. That's mercy. The unmerited favor of God. If one is in Christ, that person has become a new creation. And that's why I say, you look at this, look at this. This all we got to do is open this up. It's warm, clean water, close the change into what stops you from getting baptized if you've never been baptized? Oh, I've been baptized different methods and different ways. Listen, no disrespect to anything in your past or your history, but every single passage in the scripture that talks about water baptism, it was for adults where there was a seeing, I shouldn't even say adults, people, who, even children, who can be taught, understand, repent, make a decision. And any person who was baptized, even Jesus himself, Matthew 3, 16, was baptized, and he came up out of the water. John the Baptist baptized in a place where there was much water. The biblical method for baptism was never sprinkling. It was always immersion in the water every time that someone gets baptized. And when they were baptized, they were baptized in the name, the name of Jesus. If I'm going to be baptized into Christ, I don't want the roles and titles of the, what he played in my life. I want his name. If I'm going to be baptized into Jesus, then I want the name of Jesus called over me. And so if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the only thing that is stopping you from doing that this morning is yourself or your pride or your guilt or the condemnation that you do not have to carry. You can come up here. You can pray in your pew and just begin to say, God, forgive me. You don't have to read a card. You don't have to repeat after me. He wants you to be genuine. You can begin to say, God, forgive me. Cleanse me. I'm sorry. I don't want to live like this. I want to be different. You can have a fresh start. And as I close, where are you? As you start in this new year, where are you? Chances are we're all in different walks of life. Some of you have walked this way a long time. Have you just settled in and are coasting? God's calling you to something deeper. Every minister, every department, every ministry director, he's calling all of us, every Bible study teacher, praise singer, Sunday school teacher. He's calling us deeper. If you're a guest here and you say, oh my goodness, it was a huge start for me to just come and sit on this pew today or tune in online. God is speaking to you. And he's saying, don't celebrate New Year's Eve 2019. Looking back over the last 12 months, and being the exact same person that you've been for the previous 12 months. 
I want next year just to look back and say, man, we've grown. Not just in number. We've grown. We've signs, wonders, and miracles. We've grown in the people who have made disciples and being discipled. Are you in Christ? How do I get in Christ? I'm baptized into Christ. Are you currently on the outside looking in? You don't have to be. Don't leave and say, oh, other people aren't like me. No, everything I'm saying is not about joining a church or a facility. I'm in the word of God. If you're on the outside looking in, say, I've never done this. Let me pray about it. Can I tell you, there's times to pray about a lot of things. One of the things you never have to pray about is what's in his word. You never have to say, oh, I'm going to pray about it. If God's word says to do something, I don't have to say, well, let me pray about it. He spoke it. I just need to obey. Ephesians 2.11 says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. This is non-Jews. You Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. Now put yourself in this position. The argument in this book was about being Jews or Gentiles or who had the promises and didn't have the promises. But today, maybe you're on the outside looking in and, and instead of being called uncircumcised heathens, you were called worthless. You were called just, a, just an inmate. You were called just a drug addict. You were called just an alcoholic. You were called stupid. You were called ignorant. You were called whatever it was by different people. Even though it affected not their bodies and their hearts. And he goes on verse 12. It says, in those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God made to them. Because when you're baptized, that's covenant relationship. You lived in this world without God, leave this up, and without hope. How many people right now are living in your neighborhood, in your family, on your workplace, or maybe it's you yourself here today? You're living in this world without God and without hope. We can relate to that letter that Paul's writing to that Ephesian church. But Paul goes on in verse 3, says, But now you have been united with Christ. How does that happen? When you're baptized into him and you take on his name, you're united with Christ. Meaning you lived without God and without hope. But now, when you're united with Christ once, Andrew, you were far away from God. But now, you have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I just invite someone to stand to their feet who is thankful this morning that you once were living life without God and without hope. But at some point in your life, you repented of your sins. You were baptized into Jesus Christ. You took on that name. Don't be, don't be foolish today and say, oh, that doesn't matter. If it's in the scripture, it does matter what name. It does matter the method of baptism. He says, you've been brought near. You were once living this way. You were once far away from God. But now you have been brought near to him when you repented of your sins. 
when you were baptized in his name, you might feel far away from God right now, and you don't have to be. You know what? The fact of God's word is more important than the feeling that you have. The fact of God's word is stronger than whether or not you have goosebumps, whether or not you have tears coming out of your eyes. If you can, you can walk up here and say, I repent of my sins. I'm going to receive the Holy Ghost. I'm going to be baptized. And you could never even shed a tear because you can say, you know what? I don't even need to feel the emotion. I look at this and I say, it's, it's true. That's what I'm going to align my life with. I'm going to repent. I'm going to be baptized. And you can get in Christ. Hear me when I say, God turns coals into diamonds, sand into pearls, and worms into butterflies. There is nothing in your life that God is looking at and saying, I can't help that. That's too far gone. That's too ugly. It's been that way too long. God is looking at someone and saying, come to me, get baptized in my name, and watch by next new year how many other people we can have standing in this pulpit testifying about just a year ago. I was going to jail just a year ago. I was strung out just a year ago. I was drinking just a year ago. I couldn't help myself just a year ago. I didn't have any hope just a year ago. I didn't have Jesus. I was looking for something that some of these committees and communities and discussion groups and support groups. I was looking for something that I couldn't find at these other places. Who's got the testimony for next January? Who's got the testimony for next New Year's? Who's got that? I invite you right now to begin to find a place to pray. And if you've never been baptized, get baptized into Christ this morning. If you've never repented, just begin to repent of your sins this morning. You don't have, listen, don't walk out. You don't have to carry. You don't have to pick up the things that you left at the back door when you walked in. You can be different. Don't believe a lie that you can't. You can be different. I pray in the name of Jesus. Oh God, I pray help someone. Lord, to receive your word this morning. I'm running. Pray in the name of Jesus. Where Jesus. 